0: Hey, everybody. Jason's internet died, so I have to do the intro solo, but we did get him for long enough for a very fun show today. We're going to talk about Apple pausing all sales in Russia and the other actions that they're taking in response to Putin's aggression, which, by the way, Jason fully predicted on the show yesterday. Then we cover Ford splitting its EV business off from its ice business, which is either a smart move to kill dealerships or a terrible move that keeps the ice business alive and puts these two businesses in competition when EVs are the future. Then Joe Spizer joins us to talk about how being too reliant on Facebook killed his media company and finally, quickly, a We Live in the Future segment on humanoid robots. Yes, all of that in this one show and it's all for free. It's going to be a great one. Stick with us.
1: This Week in Startups is brought to you by Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. Odoo. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever. And right now, Odoo is offering $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odoo.com slash twist. That's O D O O.com slash twist. And Lemon.io. Need to speed up your product development without draining your budget? Hire vetted engineers from Europe at Lemon.io. Go to Lemon.io to get 15% off for the first four weeks.
2: All right, it's a big news day, and uh, we've got a great guest coming on to talk about... The dependencies that startups can sometimes build on other platforms. And we're going to go into a lot of detail on that because I have learned that lesson, as have countless creators and entrepreneurs. But before that, Molly, we have a lot of news to get to. Let's
0: start the show. Yeah, we are going to speed round some of this news. So, following up yesterday, I mean, look, we stalled as long as we could. We stayed live for a very long time, but just about 30 minutes after we finished recording yesterday, Apple announced that it was stopping all product sales in Russia, just like J. Cal predicted. I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And then he sold me on it completely and apparently sold Tim Cook in the process because in addition to pausing all sales in Russia, Apple also removed RT and Sputnik from the app store outside of Russia, just like YouTube and TikTok dig, disabled live traffic and incident updates on Apple Maps in Ukraine, causing Jason to tweet last night, <laughs> quote, I've always loved the three-act play <laughs> format, <laughs> including. Do we have that tweet? Including uh, the original Tim Cook tweet, yeah. That the thoughts and prayers tweet that prompted uh, you to be like
2: thoughts and oh, prayers. Really, bro?
0: Exactly. Jason responded saying, "You're really not doing all you could to support the humanitarian effort in Ukraine, even though you just said you were." Apple supports, said Jason. Authoritarians with their devices and sells iPhones in Russia. After Jason tweeted the account and we talked about it on the live stream, then Zero Hedge tweeted that Apple had stopped selling its products on the Russian online store, according to CNN.
2: And people keep saying Zero mm. Hedge is somehow related to the Russian government. I don't have proof of that, but I just wanted to put that out there because it's... Right. Every time I retweet that, people are like, you're retweeting Putin. And I'm like, okay, guy writes interesting stuff. I know how Putin works, lies mixed with truth, you know, and it's all about creating chaos. but." Uh, I mean, everybody follows him. Everybody follows Whether him. is, or isn't. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I would know. love if somebody could educate us on wh- what the actual reality of that is, because mm-hmm. I would like to know. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of gray area here when you're dealing with experts in doing misinformation. But the bottom line is good on Apple. Great move. You, you can't uh, just say in a situation like this, thoughts and prayers, our hearts go out. You, you got to take a stand at some point. And this is probably amongst the easiest ones you can do is to stop operating in the country until they leave the other country where they're murdering people. Yeah. I mean, this is really basic. There's not a lot of gray area here when it comes to who's wrong. It's black and white. You don't get to invade another country and murder people. So uh, good on Apple. Good on uh, Reed Hastings. Uh, from Netflix, there's a lot of people making bold moves, shutting down RT, that's kind of like table stakes. I think when you actually Mm -hmm. remove your business and shut your business down, it's going to create pain, suffering, agitation in the populace. I know that's hard to say. We had this discussion yesterday. (laughs) In order for sanctions to work, they have to create pain. And you're trading the pain of economic sanctions, the, the pain of inconvenience with the gain of stopping a war where thousands of people have died in just a couple of days.
0: Yeah. Full stop. Apple also moved to limit access to digital services like Apple Pay. Actually, somebody in uh, one of the Nota gangs said that evidently Apple Pay is no longer working in the subway system in Russia. And, you know, it's not working elsewhere either, which is why you have these long lines at ATMs. Any other? I mean, as long as you're at it. Any yeah. other predictions, Jason? Oh, on the other wow. hand, evidently. WeWork's new CEO, Sandeep Mathrani, said WeWork will not leave the country. All right. He, this he is outrageous. On brand here.
2: This is outrageous. I saw this this morning in the New York Post. This guy, not only
0: Sandeep Mathrani. Mathrani. Oh, and he said they performed, the locations performed incredibly well. Callous,
2: insincere, dip. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I hate to say do better or read the room on this podcast, but FFS, as the kids will acronym, for frack's sake, it's one thing to say you're not shutting down the WeWork. It's another thing to use it as a pump opportunity to say, hey, we're crushing it in Russia. You son of a gun. (laughs) I demand an apology by the end of the day, and I demand that you shut these down by the end of the week, period, full stop. And if you don't, anybody who's got a WeWork membership who's listening to this show, I am authorizing you as part of this uh, movement to send him an email, sandeep at wework.com, I'm assuming, S-A-N-D-E-E-P, or do sandeep.mathrani at WeWork, And tell him you're canceling your account. And I want you to send a screenshot of your cancellation. 100 people, please, listening to this audience, cancel your WeWork account and send that screenshot. CC at TWI startups. We will retweet it. I want 100 cancellations today for WeWork. Period. Full stop. You got to stand somewhere. There's got to be a line. Yep. There's got to be a line, right? Am I crazy?
0: No. Are you kidding me? I mean, this madman is literally bombing kindergartens now, bombing civilian sites on purpose. It is absolutely appalling to, like, say nothing, right? If you're just going to keep doing business as usual, and look, lots of companies are. Put your head down. Put your head. Shut the hell up. Yeah. That's easy. That's like That's easy. easy. This feels deliberate. It feels utterly deliberate to come out and say, Not only are we going to keep doing business there, but our business is doing really well there. We're just we're killing it in Moscow. Killing it. Crushing it. We don't. And this is really important, right? Because it is so easy to get caught up in this fervor. We do not blame individual Russians for what Putin is doing. And it is important to say that it sucks. That there might be food lines and people can't get access to their money. And then, yes, there was a video already circulating of a guy destroying an iPad that may or may not be propaganda, but saying, like, OK, we don't need your stuff. Screw you, Western imperialists. Right. There is always a danger of these things backfiring. But my God, I mean, at some point, do <laughs> do the next right thing. Right. Like, you don't yes. have to be so deliberately. There's something else going on here. In pursuit this of is, profit. I, I'm going to guess Putin
2: invested money. I'm guessing there's like a connection here. Like this is when somebody
0: thumbs their nose at something like this. Fifth column. That's fifth column right there.
2: Yeah. Like maybe Putin called him and said like, listen, this, this is going to be a real problem for me. I got you the four buildings. Yeah. Maybe they got compromise on this guy. I don't know. But this is a weird thing to the, the people who come out so pro Putin, so pro Russia, Russian government. And again, the Russian people and the Russian government, two different things, Chinese people, Chinese government, two different things civilians citizens of russia you know protesting my god you're so brave and and so awesome yeah but this guy there's something going on here uh this is just deranged i mean it is deranged and if you have a WeWork subscription perfect time to cancel it or pause it maybe pause is even better because then sandeep can say you know what i'm such an idiot these hundred pauses came up and these people want to see me do the right thing so let's start sanctions against we work here's the yeah. sanction i'm declaring a startup sanction just pause your membership and send them the goddamn screenshot and tweet it i'll retweet it for you um you got you got to take a stand here and you, you mm-hmm. can't be cr- i mean maybe i mean what are you gonna do next Andy? you're gonna you're gonna host putin for a fireside chat jesus christ uh, It's just, sorry, but it's just infuriating to see somebody say something like this. I almost felt like this was a put on or like not real, you know, you read something
0: and you're like, it's kind of that shocking. I mean, look, it's one thing to say, like we do business in China. It's a, it's a, you know, country of a billion people, like not everybody, blah, blah, blah. And it still is like hard to defend and your employees have a hard time with it. But to just sort of be like, we know this is happening. We're fine with it. We're making a lot of money. So kind of deliberately and obviously does feel weird, yeah, it feels more than not reading the room. It's like,
2: yeah, it's like poking. It's like a it's poke. Poking. It's poking. Yeah. And, like, as I've said many times, if your belief is that engagement with authoritarians will, you know, lead to something good, I'm willing to have that conversation. If he said, hey, listen, we've got four buildings here, we've got amazing startups and companies there, we are going to have influence. We're being vocal that we don't, you know, agree with the war, and we're trying to use our influence as a customer, uh, Russia as a partner. You know, and and we think that we uh, can talk to people there and and make our our feelings known without, you know, turning the building off uh, and inconveniencing, you know, our customers. We we think engagement's a better strategy. You can be like, I disagree, but okay, you have at least
0: But at least it would be, right. It would be measured. It would be thought out. It would acknowledge the horror of what is happening as opposed to like, nah, we're good.
2: And then this guy uh, gets on here and he starts with his 10-year-old son and looks like, he starts beating up an iPad from 2008. Um, yeah. And he says, here's a response to American sanctions. We don't fear you. We'll live without your nice, pretty things. I have just two comments on this one. It's probably fake or some propaganda. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, number two, uh, he's not beating that thing up. If that was an Apple iPad Pro with the magic floating keyboard, because that is very pretty. That, that, kid, just, also I mean, has,
3: that kid has weak wrists. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, he is like, he's trying to hit it. But keep it <laughs> functional. He's like, Yeah, dad, I
0: don't want Ooh, this. Nick is full on red scare. He's like, also, that kid hammers like a kid. Yeah.
2: He's a scared. real He's Russian kid is- wouldn't wouldn't have that weak of wrist. He would smash that thing in two. <laughs>
0: he would feed it to a bear.
2: Also, this, like, is, a, this is a psyop. I don't believe it's real. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like a psyop. I think um I if mean that, look, if this guy's such a tough guy, eye-op. take the hammer and go let's see you go fight some Ukrainians. They're gonna this guy's gonna get tossed in two seconds. It's
0: but remember, like, remember this is because of decades of propaganda and a completely yes. different mindset. It is, it is more than likely that there are people inside Russia who think this right now. They're like Western aggressors, mm-hmm. you know, we're on a peacekeeping mission in Ukraine. Like, don't forget the power of what you are told. Yeah. Like, it is so hard to imagine a universe in which, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard after actually the last few years in America. Like, we have a universe where we live in parallel realities. Yeah, completely parallel realities. Like, with things that one side is saying with absolute conviction are the same things the other side is saying, but they mean it about each other. Yeah, and so you shouldn't discount stuff like this that might seem like completely improbable and fake because information is super powerful.
2: It, it is. We talked about it yesterday. I think uh the fact that people are mocking Putin uh, on social media. Uh, is an absolute fantastic turn of events because mm-hmm. you know charlie chaplin did the dictator uh made fun of hitler like comedians and satirists can really really undermine these uh strong men you know quote unquote strong men you know they're actually obviously pretty weak uh yeah. if they're doing things like this and, and i think keeping that up and really like the meme war is on right now And I I think the meme war, actually, it sounds silly. I think it actually matters that people around the world are mocking Putin and and mocking, uh, you know, this uh, approach and then lauding. uh, And you see, you know, this used to happen before memes with cartoonists who are some of the most intelligent, witty people you'll ever meet. A lot of those cartoonists, you know, used to take apart the dictators um, and and really move sentiment. And I, I think that's what memes are doing now. I get memes all day long. Thank you for people sending them to me. About Putin and Russia, and you know, I think it's uh, absolutely there is a information war here, and yep. they're losing it big time on a global you- basis. Listen, when you're the founder, it's fun to trade war stories with other founders. Recently, Balloon CEO Amanda Greenberg, one of my awesome portfolio founders, told me how Vanta's Sock Two solution helped her save an important deal in the final hours. If you don't know, Balloon sells a SaaS productivity and collaboration software package is brilliant and when they needed 10 documents in place within 48 hours in order to close this deal well vanta saved the day by supplying customizable templates and helping them through the process to close so if you don't have your sock too tight you can't close major customers and you know what a lot of startups wait well the waiting has to end you have to work with vanta's compliance software to make it easier to get and renew your sock too they continuously test against technical and non-technical SOC 2 requirements, and they partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. On average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant within just two to four weeks compared to three to five months without Vanta. And guess what? Vanta's such a great partner, they're going to give you $1,000 off your SOC 2. Thanks for that, Vanta. Here's your call to action. Get $1,000 off at vanta.com twist. That's V-A-N-T-A dot twist. That's vanta.com slash twist for $1,000 off. Well done, Vanta.
0: Do you guys, I know we have to get to our guests in a minute, but um, do you, like I do, you get all your history from Drunk History? Do you remember the episode about... how of Drunk History. Love Drunk I think there was a brief moment in time when I felt like I was big enough to potentially be on Drunk History and now it's transcended me.
2: Uh, but you, can, you could still, you can still get a window. If anybody knows
0: anyone, I would die. To we should be
2: history. on as we a duo to do internet history.
0: Oh, my God. JMO drunk internet history. Oh, There is I an amazing. there's an amazing drunk history episode about a guy named Stetson Kennedy who infiltrated the KKK. But what he did was use the information that he got and feed that information to the creators of Superman at the time. Ah. And so the Superman episodes that were on the radio (gasps) involved these like absolutely hapless, pathetic, because he revealed their like stupid secret handshakes and all their like (laughs) lame little kid stuff that they did. And he, and so then it showed up on Superman. It was so freaking embarrassing and it made them look like the clowns that they were with just like a little club of handshakes. That, that people stopped, people started dropping out and being like, now nah, we're out. We, we can't KKK anymore because it's too stupid. That was early meme warfare right there.
2: I love it. I love it. I think yeah. mocking them and uh, the comedians need to get out there and uh, the meme armies. And, and I also saw a, a story uh, that people were offering 50,000 Bitcoin. I've, heard, I've seen a number of these stories, and it would be great if somebody in the audience uh, could adjunct produce for us here and, and try to get to the bottom of where these rumors are coming from. And that's producers at this at startups.com. If you want to send us, you know, updates or news sources or links uh, for our producers here, but $50,000 in Bitcoin, if uh, a Russian would uh, hand over a- and they would get them out of the Ukraine, I don't know if that's true and give them $50,000 in Bitcoin on a thumb drive and get them out of the Ukraine, uh, if they gave up a tank. And then other people are saying, like, "Hey, maybe just hand five thousand euros to any soldier that drops their weapons and gets captured." Yeah, and that sounds to me like some awesome, awesome strategy because Putin's never going to know these these guys took the the billfold, they got pieced off, you piece a couple of these kids off, and then all of a sudden that becomes a train, you know, like. Either I can go into Kiev and get shot, or you know, hit with the Molotov cocktail, or I can drop my weapons, put my hands behind my head, and say, "Listen, we got surrounded. We, we fought to the bitter end." And then somebody gives me the code for five five thousand in Bitcoin. Yeah. Yum yum. Yeah. So I, I, we got to know if this is true or not. So let's 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 get the let's get on this. There's much more news going on. I saw this news story come across the wire, and I just had flashbacks to the dot com era.
0: Yeah, this is bonkers. Well, or is it bonkers? I don't know. We will discuss. Maybe it is. Ford announced today, Wednesday, that it is splitting its EV business off from its main ICE business, internal combustion engine. So basically, it's going to take its EVs, put them in a business division that it hopes, which is going to call Ford Model E, which it hopes will let it raise more capital, get a more Tesla-like valuation, Mm -hmm. um, get out of, I guess, the stink of cars. (laughs) And split the business in half because according to CEO Jim Farley, quote, our legacy organization has been holding us back. Ouch. Mm. you think? Quickest of possible thoughts here. What is that you were you said well, immediately, like flashback.
2: In the dot-com era for people who are under the age of 40 and don't remember, if you did something like eToys, which was a Toys R Us competitor, eToys was worth all of a sudden astronomical valuation in some ways, like we saw Peloton or Coinbase or you know, pick the company have these astronomical valuations, because they were called a pure play. They were 100% software 100% online, they didn't have the legacy of stores, uh, factories, etc. And Toys R Us was like, well, we're worth a billion. And this thing's worth 50 billion, we have 10 times their sales, what's going on here. So they would like spin out a toys or a tower everybody would have two companies. And then What would happen is for shareholders, they would get shares in the new company the spin out and the original. And then you'd have two CEOs and we all know how this goes. Yeah. It's the same customer. It's the same customer. That's why this is so dumb. Mm -hmm. It's not like Ford is now going to have one group of people selling EVs, one group of people selling four trucks, and then they go, uh, it's two different customer bases. Literally, people are going to be coming to the lot saying, I think I want an EV. And the person, you don't want an EV, you want a nice." Exactly. Let me tell you why. So they got two Ford salespeople battling each other, dogging the other one's product.
0: And don't frankly, buy in the store; buy here. battling to keep selling internal combustion engine cars. Like there's a lot about this that uh, that I don't buy from a business perspective because I agree you're cannibalizing your businesses, you're adding complexity and staff and cost. Even if you think you can raise yes. more capital to make up for it, but on top of that, you're creating a crutch for your internal combustion engine business instead of saying. Our goal is to transition all of our cars to EVs, not our plan is to eventually sunset this division, which you know, they're not saying. It's more like creating competition between the uh, two. I'll tell
2: you what I think they're doing here. That could be smart uh, because we don't have all the data inside the company and the stock's up a little bit. uh, I think 7% at the time we we did, we we took a screenshot just a couple minutes ago. It could create a pop because you do, will have investment in that new company and people will want to invest in it. And then you can manage the other business for profits and write it down. Right? So why would they do this? I think there is actually a reason. I think the reason they're doing this is they want to break... The uh, dealership model. I was thinking about this. I was trying mm-hmm. to figure out what's the gaming going on here. If Ford spun this out and they call it what? what what's the Fakaka name
0: they're talking about here? Uh, something E, something E, something. I like immediately I, forgot. Yeah, is that bad? Uh, <laughs> Ford knows why this because the Who Ford knows? one is blue, or the Ice one is blue, and the one is E something. I mean, it's literally. So dumb. Immediately so forgot. Damn it. It was the we'll dot com, it. was how we'll they
2: separated it. it. Previously, <laughs> they would say, This is <laughs> toys <us>. com That's <laughs> ToysRUS with no dot com. Uh, it's different. Uh, yep. And actually, Wired did this too. Wired.com became a separate company, then Wired the print publication. Right. So dumb. They'll, They'll be anyway, back. They'll be back. Here's uh, what they're doing. I so think. Quickly, yeah. What's the reason? They want to break their dealerships. So if they rename the electric vehicles, let's say mm-hmm. they take the Ford Mustang. Let's take your, their truck, the F 150 E, what if they said, those are going to be called something new, they call them, you know, EV, or E something, you know, E stang, and they, it's something stupid like that, right? So they just give it get a naming convention for those. Mm-hmm. And you can only buy them online. And they are not serviced by the dealers they are serviced by the home office in new, a new channel. Mm-hmm. And then they say to all the Ford people, Listen, we're, we're selling direct. You get the ice business, you get the hybrid business, but all EVs are going to do the Tesla model, and then there right. can be lawsuits or whatever. But it's like, okay, well, who are you going to sue? We have a relationship with you to sell this series of cars. This is only for future cars with a different brand. We're spinning out that unit. They crack it, then once they cracked it, and those things don't have value, they can start selling that business off for parts. And one of the things they'll do is, you know, buy out the dealerships or whatever. That's what I think is going on here. It's like a high level chess maneuver because. I can never buy an ice car. I have tried. I know. I, was, I wanted to buy like a Jeep or something like that. And man, going to the dealership was so painful. Yep. That that pain made me say, I'm just going to wait for the Cybertruck and I'm going to put snow tires on the Model Y. I, I was going to put myself yeah. in a Jeep and have like a snow car well, uh, and a beach car. And I was like, you know what?
0: I'll just wait for the Cybertruck two years. I don't care. And I'll tell you, I am at this exact moment and then we're going to get to Joe. I am at this exact moment. Moment shopping for EVs, mm-hmm. and all the ones that have involved so far interfacing with a dealer, I immediately am just like I'm out. Keep the I, one I you got. Keep this. the like, one you don't. got. <laughs> you love superchargers. <laughs> I do love superchargers. We'll get that's for a come later back, episode. Molly. A later come episode. back get to the fault.
2: Listen, when you start scaling revenue quickly, your company needs to be run professionally, and Odoo is the software that helps you maintain control of your fast-running business. Odoo is a suite of business apps where you can run your entire company from just one platform. This means you don't need to keep adding siloed SaaS products. Everything you need is there waiting for you to turn on when you're ready. Sales accounting, HR, website builders, and so much more. You're going to streamline everything by bringing your apps onto one platform. No more issues transferring data between platforms, and you'll have one customer support contact across all of your apps. If you only need two or three apps to optimize your workflow, that's all you're going to pay for. Odoo has over 30 main apps and over 16,000 apps from their open source community. And the best part? Well, here's your call to action. Your first app is free forever. And Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. Just go to odoo.com twist. For one thousand dollars off, that's odoo.com slash twist.
0: We are very excited. Thank you for your patience. We have Joe Spieser here. Uh, maybe Spieser, correct me if you if Spieser, I'm wrong. Yep. Spieser, yep. Spiesman. Spiesman. Joe yeah, Spiesman. Spies. Thanks for waiting. We appreciate no, no worries. it.
3: <laughs> it was uh, it was entertaining.
0: Okay, <laughs> good. That's our goal here. Uh, Joe, so you of course, Jay Spieser on Twitter. Currently an investor with Hampton BC with Sam Parr of The Sam Hustle Parr? and My First Million. And today we're here to Hustler. talk about. How Facebook ruined your business, hustler Sampar, <laughs>
2: uh, friend of pod, hustler in a good way. Oh, I'm. I'm yeah, I, I only use hustler
3: in the good way.
0: Did you, Joe? Can I ask you real quick from via yes. our producers? Did you take your headphones off by any chance?
3: Uh, yeah, they're just they're super uncomfortable. Are you getting feedback or
0: you'll, you'll yeah, make yeah, work? Your recording might pick us up, so we would have to try not to talk over you very much.
3: Fair enough.
2: Okay, we'll we'll do that. We'll uh, we'll not talk over you. Uh, so you did a tweet storm about um basically being too dependent on a platform you want to walk us through that
3: yeah yeah i mean i, I haven't talked about it uh, it was four years since the uh the end of that business and it was it was a very you know emotional trying time when you put your heart and soul into something and you have so many people counting on you and then the rug kind of gets pulled out rug uh, so I, I hadn't talked about it since and i finally got to a point where i was far enough away from the event i was like all right i can look back and try to think through how I would have done things differently and also kind of share the experience with everyone else out there because I thought it was a significant one. Um, and I'm seeing so much platform dependency across the board with almost every platform out there right now where people are building their entire business. And that just scared me. So I'm like, this is the time. You know, I just saw Mr. Beast. He's spending $50 million a year on YouTube producing videos and building up an amazing audience there. And he's he's crushing it. He's doing great. But it's all YouTube. What if YouTube decides to change their algorithm and yeah. not prioritize his videos? I mean, So walk us through. You had yeah.
2: 110 people working for you. You had a $100 million startup. And I remember this period where Facebook was an incredible place to build a business. There was a LinkedIn competitor. Branch Out, I believe, was the name of that. My friend Mark Pincus was crushing it with FarmVille. Mm. And it seemed like this was the great platform after Google SEO um and youtube was emerging at the time to build the next media business in fact people were deciding should i go youtube should i go facebook you decided to go facebook facebook met with you facebook cherished you and yeah. you were off to the races explain what the business was and then tell us the day the rug pulled
3: yeah so the business was simple it was feel good content for women uh, what we saw was a huge opening in the market everything was politics or it was um you know, guys getting hit in the nuts with a golf ball, kind of like those viral videos that you saw all the time. But no one was really focusing on the feel good moments of, you know, the baby's first laughter, a dog welcoming, a military man coming home after a long absence, just things that kind of made you feel really good inside. So our goal was for people to wake up every morning to consume this content and just to feel better about themselves and the world. And for the most part, that worked. And it took off like gangbusters. I mean, Facebook gave us their entire fire hose of eyeballs. We we can barely keep up with the amount of traffic and the amount of views. We got really good at pulling people off of Facebook and having them consume that content on our site. Um, and we were doing hundreds of millions of video views on site, which at the time, there was no one doing anything near that, anywhere in the US at least. And even on Facebook, we were probably top three, uh, right, with BuzzFeed and the rest of those really big guys at the time. Um, we were building a ton of video studios to get more original content out there. Facebook was constantly talking about, you know, bring more content to us, bring more. They they were like this hungry, hungry monster. You just got to keep feeding it. Mm. And we did. We had 45 writers on staff that were writing content every single day. And then we had those video studios turning out four hours a day of new live content and recorded content. And we have all these partnership deals uh, where we were buying videos from people that, you know, think like America's Funniest Videos type uh, content. Yeah. So we built up this amazing catalog of content. We were distributing it. um, And Facebook was just so big for us. We had talks all the time. Lightspeed Ventures was our our VC at the time. And, um, you know, we talked about how do we diversify? Because that's like the number one thing here. Everyone's like, well, you're an idiot for building it all on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, I understand your point of view. You know, all eggs in one basket, right? Which is exactly uh, what we had. But... When you're getting hundreds of millions of views from Facebook, and you have an email newsletter that has a million people on it, which is huge, it doesn't move the needle against 100 million that are coming every day. You can't email every day. And even then, it's only 1%. You know, Pinterest, tiny, it wouldn't, it wouldn't help. YouTube was too small. TikTok didn't exist back then. LinkedIn was business, and Instagram was too young. So we went all in on Facebook, and it was amazing until it wasn't.
0: Right. So tell us, walk us through the part where it wasn't because among the interesting factors here is that it was also quite a specific editorial decision by Facebook that ended up killing your business. So the risk wasn't only the platform, it was the, frankly, editorial meddling.
3: Yeah, so it was early 2018. And that's when Zuck was talking about making big changes to the newsfeed. And the change that we heard most was that he wanted to be taken more seriously in terms of the content on the platform. It was too lowbrow for him. He didn't want, you know, puppies, you know, wrestling with each other and, and these fun videos. And he didn't want um, viral content. What he wanted was news. He wanted hard hitting pieces. He wanted to be taken more seriously on the, on, in the nation. And one way to do that was to force through more really heavy content. Um, so as he said, we're going to do more stuff with just your family and then news, those are the two uh, areas that he was moving heavier into. Um, the, the irony is looking back now, like he got in a lot of trouble for, for the content that he was pushing and right the election and, and all that jazz. But um, yeah, so it was the pivot for more news and, and more family first content, and less of this fluffy feel good type content.
0: And yeah, to me I mean, that's a huge part of this story is that it wasn't just technology. They killed you. It was, yeah. And who
2: knows? Well, I was gonna say, and you know what Facebook says to you, uh, and what the actual reason is, sure. who knows. Um, and you, let me ask this question. It's a simple one. Were you paying Facebook to build your audience on Facebook?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, when we started, it was all organic, and then over time, we wanted to grow faster. So, like most companies, you advertise. So we would advertise. We would boost is what it's called uh, your most popular videos or your most popular posts. Um, so at the end, we were spending almost $4 million a month on paid ads on Facebook.
2: So let's pause on this for a second. Facebook becomes an amazing organic distribution channel for you. When we use the word organic in our industry, we're meaning you earn the traffic you got because yeah. it was great content. You didn't pay for it. Correct. Then they said, hey, this is going pretty good for you, brother. How about you give us $50 million a year, $4 million, $100,000 a day to make your business grow even better? And in your mind, you're thinking, they're not wrong. I'm getting 100 million views a month here. I only got a million emails. I can't go back to 1%. I mean, how do I explain that to my VCs? And if I spend the 4 million, hey, look, the number is going up and to the right. So they are so clever that before the rug pull, they took tens of millions of dollars from you. Am I correct?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So the way it started, it was all organic. We weren't paying anything. And you had hundred percent reach to your audience. Anyone who wanted your content and raised their hand and said, yes, please send me content. They got to see hundred percent of that content. And then over time it was 90%, 80%, 50%. And at the end, it came down to, I think right now for most um, brands on Facebook, it's like one and a half percent. So if you want to reach more than one or two percent of your audience, you have to pay Facebook money to reach the audience that you already built on their platform.
2: When you're scaling your startup quickly, hiring engineers can slow you down like nothing else. We all know that. Well, here's some good news for you. Lemon.io will find you the perfect candidate within, wait for it, 48 hours, I kid you not. And what is Lemon.io, you ask? They're a marketplace of engineers from Europe, where some of the greatest engineers in the world are based, and they'll match you with a candidate again within just 48 hours. That's two days for those of you doing the math at home. And if it doesn't work out, they're going to replace the developer right away. So there is no risk for you with the founder of a startup and they test and interview every developer to eliminate the risk of a failed project so we got a testimonial from launch portfolio founder drew fabricant and he told us that lemon was a game changer for his startup scout which is a lead gen platform they do great stuff they were under the gun they needed to hire a developer with a very specific skill set as soon as possible and lemon delivered and they were a pleasure to work with according to my pal drew so not only did they find exactly what they were looking for but lemon also delivered them a 2nd second- really fast. What a great story. So here's your call to action. If you could use a full time or part time developer to run your projects faster, I want you to go to lemon.io slash twist. Again, lemon.io slash twist, and you're going to receive a 15% discount for the first four weeks
0: of work with a developer. What a great deal. So you just, again, to reiterate, you had already built that platform, then you started paying them, then that traffic went to zero, it sounds like you knew early on, that there was a diversification risk. And that, you know, other platforms weren't mature enough, or there wasn't the traction. Now, how would you advise hmm. a, a founder who, you know, wants to take advantage? It's it's candy, right? It seems like free candy galore on these platforms, and it and it is for people. So what would you say to somebody who's trying to build this business all over again?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's there's no clear answer even after all these years. Without Facebook, my media company never would have existed in the way it did. We never would have reached as many people, right? So we use Facebook to get to where we ultimately ended up. But I guess you have to kind of choose in the beginning. Do you want to run like a lifestyle cash flow business and keep it really small, five, 10 people? Or do you want to kind of shoot for the stars and go for that billion dollar business? And if so, then you have to lean all the way into these things. You have to strap yourself to the rocket and hope YouTube or Amazon or Shopify or Facebook or any of these platforms don't cut you off or don't decide something else is more interesting over here and remove whatever you're leaning on them for.
2: I have a pretty good strategy with this now, having gone through it with Mahalo, we created a search engine w- was content sort of Wikipedia plus search results. And Google did the same thing to us. They changed the algorithm fam- famous Panda update our, yeah. rev- our revenue went down 95% of traffic went down Oof. 85% in one day. I called Larry, I called Sergey. I had I had the biggest ins you could have. Wow. Nobody returns my call. I finally get them in the room. i talk to PR people because I go on a jihad publicly about this. <laughs> and all of a sudden it starts being in the New York times and other places. And Matt cuts had lied to me a bunch of times. He's like, Hey, you're not a partner. I said, yeah, how could you do this to a partner? We're made, we made, we're making $10 million a year in AdSense. And he says, we don't have partners. And then I forwarded the email, CC Larry. I mean, I went crazy. And I said, here's an email from your business development calling our statement, our partnership statement. Wow. He's like, well, search doesn't have partners, Google, you, and I said, you say Google doesn't have partners, well, yeah. which is it? Because we were making $10 million a year in AdSense. And I had 100 people just like you and I had to go in. And I had to lay everybody off one day. Uh, and it was brutal. That business eventually became inside.com. It's thriving now. But my strategy to this is Molly, what happens when you get on this crack pipe, when you get on this crazy drug, that is a high performance drug? you know that the second you stop taking this performance enhancement drugs, let's call them PEDs, that you're Mm going to revert back to whatever your normal state of being is. And so we looked at and said, anything going forward that we get is gravy, we're going to look at the organic traffic, people searching for inside.com, people tweeting it, just people doing it off those big platforms. We're going to judge our success based on that, not the free traffic, which we know at some point they'll take away or charge us for. And I think that's the best practice now is to not judge yourself on that free stuff just exploit it while you can. Yep. So if right now like we have two TikTok accounts, one for all in, one for this week in startups, they're crushing it. We're getting tons of traffic. None of it results in clicks to the podcast. It just builds yep. awareness. But are we going to invest in that? No. We're going to invest in having better guests on the show, bringing on Molly as a co-founder and making the content better because I think the trap is you stop putting money into your product, Molly. And you start putting money into the platform and the distribution before you have product market fit. Yep. Because if your content was so good that it was Oprah, let's say, yep. or Howard Stern or Joe Rogan or This Week in Startups or whatever, that people sought it out, they searched for it,
3: you probably would have survived this, right? So yeah, so that's my, my second biggest takeaway is around brand building. And we, we didn't build a big enough brand fast enough, the, the awareness, the recognition. If you walk down you know, a street in middle America with the hat and the logo of your brand, do people come up to you and recognize it? And if they don't, your brand's not big enough yet. So I, I wish we would have started building the brand awareness earlier because then you have portability, right? Then you can move people from one platform to another. Just like Joe Rogan, if he gets kicked off Spotify tomorrow, his brand will follow him. His followers will follow him. Same with Barstool. They have such a strong brand. They will be followed from platform to platform. And you know, that's why we started building a ton of original content, but it was, you know, too little too late too late, I wish we would have done it, you know, a few years earlier,
0: right? Although what's so interesting is 10 years,
3: right? I mean, it's it's not it's not something you just do overnight, it it could take a decade to build a recognizable brand.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I was gonna say, that's what's so interesting about this advice, which is completely real and all about the fundamentals of business and would if followed by all of the members of the creator economy, essentially wipe out the creator economy, right? Because the The uphill battle that it takes to create a brand that actually gets awareness and attention in today's attention economy without the shortcut, the crutch of the performance enhancing platforms. That's a hill that can't be climbed by, I'm going to say, 80, 85, 90% of the brands that are attempting to come into existence today. Yeah, agreed. What would you say then? Would you invest in a media brand in the future? I think could be a good uh, wrap up question here.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not doing any investing in media. I'm doing investing just in being SaaS. I like the not having any platform dependency, right? Having that recurring revenue stream, it's just stability, um, and it's it's super scalable and with no friction. So I, I've kind of moved towards that model. Nothing against media companies. It's just you know I don't think you're going to see a lot of media companies go from zero to one, ten billion, a hundred billion dollars of of value, whereas SaaS companies not easily, but I think the probability is much higher, so I've been trying to divert more funds that way. Um, but I definitely do have a sore spot for for media companies after my experience, and I'm still waiting for that feel good type company to come back because uh, I do think there's a need for people, especially now. Just there's there's so much negativity in the news, and it's it's crushing. And like watching it before you go to bed or when you wake up, it just it's it's hard. It's depressing.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's a it's a sad state of affairs that you went to SaaS and I went to venture capital because. We don't want to ride that
3: media <laughs> rocket all
0: the way into the ground.
3: <laughs> it burns you out. It burns you out after a while. It's it's tough.
0: It does. I still believe though. Joe Spicer, thank you so much for telling this story publicly. I know it resonated with so many people like from that time, but also now in this exact moment. I mean, we have noties in the chat right now who are saying, I'm trying to build a business on Instagram or TikTok or Spotify or, yeah. or Shopify. And it's... It's an uphill climb. So we really appreciate the perspective. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Take care. All right, everybody. Jason's internet crashed because he lives in the past or Russia has finally come to silence him, um, which is a very inappropriate joke. But sometimes you just have to laugh, otherwise, you cry. So that was a great interview with Joe. I am going to, real quickly, before I let everybody go, talk about how we live in the future. Because even if your internet is not working, maybe. A humanoid robot with human-like intelligence can come and fix it. A startup building such humanoid robots just raised $58.5 million in a Series A. The company is called Sanctuary, based out of Vancouver. And I'm just going to say in advance that I know it is cliche and maybe even silly and self-defeating and overly cynical to say that like humanoid robots with human-like intelligence seem creepy, or that the name Sanctuary is creepy, or that everything the CEO says about these robots is creepy. I get it, but it's creepy. Okay, the startup is called Sanctuary. It's based out of Vancouver. The round was led by Bell, which is a Canadian telecom company. The robots will initially be general purpose and do all the things that, you know, we kind of want robots to do take on dangerous workplace tasks, eliminate labor shortages. We actually have a clip of the robots in action from July 2020, which I think we can pull up, uploaded by author and tech consultant, Kathy Hackle, which we'll talk over. Um, And you can see they have, they look like way too hot. They have, you know, belly shirts on and lady heads, which like, I hope there are some that don't look like sex bots, but I don't know. Um, and from what you can see of them in action right now, they're mainly just sort of moving their arms around in an upsetting, uncanny valley kind of way. Sanctuary's long term vision, however, is bigger. They say the company is aiming to have the AI enabled robots be able to reason and think like humans do. Here is the only slightly ominous quote from Sanctuary CEO, Jordi Rose. When we think about finding a cure for cancer, addressing climate change or colonizing other planets, colonizing, we take it for granted that people will be needed to do all the thinking and reasoning to come up with novel solutions and then execute them. But what if you could build a machine that thought reasoned and interacted with the world like a person? What if you were not limited to having access to just one human-like mind? Just think, how much more quickly we could arrive at the solution. According to an article by Silicon Angle, Sanctuary quote, ultimately sees its technology playing a vital role in space exploration. I mean, this is just straight up ripped from the sci-fi chapter headings. And again, likely, maybe even valuable. There are things that robots are going to need to do there. Are also, if you've read enough sci-fi, massive ethical issues with the idea of having robots that have human-like intelligence, but effectively using them like servants or worse to do all of the hard work. And I guess I would argue that we have like neural nets and deep learning to draw conclusions that one human mind alone couldn't. Like, I don't want to diss robots because I wish I had one to clean my house that was better than the Roomba. Wow, I just went right to the using my robot as a servant, didn't I? Damn it. Um, but it is, this is, I don't know. There's just something about it that always feels just a little terrible when you hear someone talk about it this this way. Maybe it would seem a little less terrible if it weren't like hot chicks and belly shirts. Either way, we live in the future and the future looks just as dystopian as in every movie we've ever seen. Anyway, uh, that is it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I know Jason's hard at work getting his internet back up. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Hey,
3: everyone. Producer Nick here. I want to tell you about the SaaS Syndicate. If you're a founder of a SaaS company with a product and market, our investment team wants to talk to you. Head over to thesyndicate.com slash SaaS, S-A-A-S, to apply to raise from the SaaS Syndicate. And you can join Jason's Syndicate of over 9,000 accredited investors at thesyndicate.com.
2: Producer Justin here, know a cool startup? Check out openscouting.com, where anyone can refer a startup to our investment team here at launch. Even if you don't know the founder, if you're the first to flag a company for us and we decide to invest, you'll get 5k in cash or 10% of our carry.
1: Hey everybody, producer Rachel here. Are you an early stage startup that has product and market, some traction, and are looking to raise at least $500,000? Apply today to Remote Demo Day for your chance to pitch to over 9,000 investors in Jason's Syndicate. Submit your application at remotedemoday.com. Our next event is on April 27th.
3: And if you wanna learn how to invest in startups from the world's greatest angel investor, and no, we're not talking about Chris Saka, then head to angel.university to apply. The four hour workshop costs $300 and all proceeds are donated to charity. To date, we've donated over $175,000 to various charities and you can see the full list at angel.university slash charity.